0: If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfriscoorg slash give. Thank you for listening. We started a sermon series that we're calling Better. Better. There are choices we have to make in life. There are choices that you and I consistently or constantly are looking at in the face. And we're looking at these choices and we have to make decisions every day every day we make decisions are we going to work or are we not going to work and sometimes these decisions these these decisions are made for us we don't necessarily uh, really get up in the morning and decide hey I gotta I'm gonna go to work no because there the bills make that decision for us I don't want to go to work but I'm gonna go to work because I gotta pay the mortgage I gotta pay the rent I like taking hot showers I like taking showers amen and um So we have decisions, choices, and this whole sermon series is about the pursuit of better. That at the crossroads of life, as we are in a position, whether we're going to go left or we're going to go right, and we're at a point where we're going to make the best decision possible with the information that is available to us, we come to a point where we need to learn and we need to... Figure out a way how to make not just good decisions, but better decisions, better choices. And the, the whole idea behind these messages, as I've said every week, the past couple of weeks, is that the good is the enemy of the better. That the good is the enemy of the excellent. The good is the enemy of the things that could be. Because sometimes... We are happy in a certain situation. Uh, things are, they're going okay. We can't complain. God has been good. So we settle in an area. We settle in a, in a circle. Uh, when If we would just uh, give a little bit more or if we would decide something a little bit different, this situation could be a lot better here. And we recognize it. We see it. Man, well, things could be better if... I worked on my marriage a little bit more. Things could be better if I gave a little more effort at work. Things could be better if I'd go to church every Sunday. Things could be better if I was a little more generous. Things could be better if I spent more time with my sons and my daughters. And the list can go on and on and on. But because of the effort it requires the energy that we have to muster up within ourselves. Because uh, you are not unlike me. I work every day. I get stressed out at work. And, and sometimes it may be uh, that, that like my wife and I will get home at times. And we sit in the car for just a few minutes before we, we end one craziness to go into another craziness. And we got to psych ourselves up. <sighs> Lord Jesus, I rebuke that spirit of not doing homework. I rebuke that spirit of bad grades. I, I rebuke that spirit of not having any food to eat and ready, and we got to go to a restaurant. and We sit there, and we know that if, if we could just give a little more energy, give a little bit more effort, things could be better, but we sometimes settle for good. And I'm not saying that there's a sin in good. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that the dreams that God has deposited in my heart, if I'm ever going to see that come to fruition, if I'm ever going to see the potential realized in my life, in my family's life, I cannot stay within good. Because good will only take me so far. I have to give a little more effort. And I'm not standing up here telling you that I'm great at this. I'm, I fell just like, I'm sorry, if I hope I don't offend anybody, but I fell just like you fell. Because we're all Human. I make mistakes, I get tired, I get upset, I get angry, just like you get angry, just like you get upset, and, and things begin to happen in our anger, things begin to happen in our lack of patience, but if the Bible says that, that those that are filled with God's Holy Spirit will produce a, a fruit, and this fruit is called love, joy, patience, a, a better temperament, all these things, and I got to understand, although things are good, things are okay, things would be much better in my life if I was truly seeking God with all my heart so that that fruit can be produced within me. And the next time I have to face undone homework, I can face it with joy, realizing that there are people that wish they had a son to scold. The next time there's no food at the house, because either you were too tired to cook or your, or your spouse was too tired to cook. You can approach that situation with love because you realize that your, your other, your spouse, your significant other, is giving as much effort as you are giving to provide in the household. Things are good. But things can be better. Over here, it's okay. It's not a sin necessarily it's not that you are far from God because your marriage could be better or things could be a little bit uh, easier at home because if only you would get more effort but what I'm saying is that if you truly truly want to experience all that God see God says in Jeremiah chapter 21 I know the plans that I have for your life they're not plans to destroy you they're are plans to prosper you And we hit difficulties along the way. We hit difficulties along the road and we settle for good cuz it's just too hard to push through. None of this is in my notes. But but God is 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 I believe God is shifting our church God is doing something in our church where we, we come to a point where, yes, worship is amazing. Worship is good. This place is good. This place is amazing. All these chairs we have are good. They're great. But, but things could be better. Because if things are good for my life and I see my neighbor struggling, I see my coworker having difficulties, I see my family who is far from God, if only they could step into what I've stepped in, if only they could meet Jesus the way I've met Jesus. We will not settle for empty chairs in this place. We will not settle for good. We will strive for the best because we have met A unique God. We have met a God that has given you the best. We have met a God that has given it all for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whoever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Please understand that the good is the enemy of the better. Where are we compromising the better things in our lives? Those things that could be a hundred times, two hundred times better and we're settling for good. We need to learn to begin to identify that in our lives. So the past couple of weeks we spoke on uh, one day is better. That one day in the presence of God is better than a thousand far from Him. Last week we spoke from the subject of better is less. That sometimes we we chase after so many things and accumulate so many things. The things that the world says are successful. The things that the world says this will identify you as a person that has arrived. And we're chasing so much after all these things without realizing all the stress that it's putting in our lives. And sometimes... Less is better. Less is better. But see, to make these decisions where we decide that God's presence is better than anything else, that we decide that having less in our lives in order that we can be more generous, in order that we can be less stressed out, in order that we can have more peaceful lives, we have to make decisions so that we can arrive there. And again, this is what... This sermon series is about decisions. There's an old Baptist preacher that lived back in the mid-1800s. He once wrote the following. He said, we make our decisions, and our decisions make us. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. We make our decisions, and our decisions... See, the implication is that Decision making and the ability to process a choice and to choose the better things in life are so important. It's so important because the decisions that we make ultimately shape who we are, shape our family, shape these things, shape our marriage, these things shape our relationship with God. And many of us sitting here today have some very important decisions to make. Upcoming in the near future, there's some young people here that have well, they're not here, they're over there, but you have there are parents that have young people here that have to decide, begin to talk about college, begin to talk about universities, begin to talk about what it's going to be like living outside of the home. As for some of us, maybe it's a job. We're in the position where we need to make a decision as if to the as as whether or not the place that we are employed at the moment, is this the best fit for my family? Is this working out? Is there a better opportunity that I need to take? Maybe some of us it's a house. We're trying to buy a home, and I'll raise my hand on that and please pray for us, okay? That we, we have a house that, that we need to plant some roots, we need to become stable in our lives. Some of us are trying to decide whether or not to have more kids. Some of us are trying to decide whether or not I should date. No, nobody here is trying to decide who to date. Should I continue dating? date? No, okay. I have been picking on them lately. I'm sorry. Whether or not simply to stay at home on a Sunday. We have decisions to make. And the decisions we make will come to affect our lives in a very significant manner and we need to learn how to make better decisions in life. But how? How, Pastor? Well, thank you for asking. I have it all written down. How do I make better decisions for my life? How do I make better choices for my family? How can I lead the most God-honoring life that I can live? Well, the Bible tells, relates the story of, a, uh, of King David. We all have, if you've been here long enough, we have preached several sermons on David. From whether he was tending the sheep to David and Goliath. And to how David was a game changer. So we, we all kind of know who David is. And how he became king. Uh, 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 he united the kingdoms of Judah and Israel. And God used him in a very, very powerful way. Although he was with his flaws, God used them. Well, there's a story related in the Bible where David is at the end of his days. He's making preparations. He's making, he's moving, he's he's making decisions to begin to begin the transfer of power in the kingdom. There was a lot of disappointments that came in David's life. And honestly, if David had really been able to choose and things hadn't gone the way they went, uh, the person that he left the kingdom to, the son that he left the kingdom to, that was not going to be his first choice. His first choice actually uh, came to attack him and try to kill him, his own son. And it's funny how sometimes our first choices, the things that we think are going to be the best thing in our lives, just because it's our desire, because it's our flesh trying to say this is the best thing, and they, you don't seek God's wisdom, you don't seek God's uh, leading in the, in the decision, they can come back to kill us. Have you ever made a bad choice? And David is preparing to transfer power. There's a a transition beginning to happen between David and his son Solomon. Which is interesting to note that Solomon was birthed out of sin. Isn't it great to know that God can use something that was not good in your life, something that was ugly, something that was shameful for his glory? How God can redeem, how God can resurrect, as we say, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. I have no reason to be ashamed. I have no reason to look back because God uses all things for, and he works all things together for good. So here's David transitioning to Solomon who was birthed out of sin, who was birthed out of a bad decision that David made made that was birthed out of a a very bad situation. And and Solomon is preparing. He's getting ready. He knows he's about to take over the kingdom. He knows that his dad's days are numbered. And many theologians, as you read the word, they believe that that Solomon was either in his mid-teens To mid-twenties when he took over the kingdom. Very young. Very young. I mean, not as young as you, but he was young. Okay, he was a young man. And the Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter 1, he's saying, i mean, sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, he says that that Solomon in preparation, he, he prepared a sacrifice to God. Which is a lesson within itself when you're about to transition into a new level in your life. A new place in your life. It's, about, it's time for you to come before the altar of God and sacrifice some prayer. And sacrifice some time. Because difficult things are coming up ahead and you can't face it alone. Solomon recognized this in his life. He said, I'm about to become king. I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I better go to church. so he sacrifices and the story tells us that as he sacrificed that same night that he sacrificed as Solomon was sleeping that God appeared unto him in his dreams and posed and gave him an offering God appears to him and says Solomon whatever you ask me Because your sacrifice has pleased me. Because you come into church and and kneeling before the altar and humbling yourself, realizing that this new level in your life is not going to be just about you. You're going to need me in your life. That has pleased me. So I'm coming before you, Solomon. I'm going to ask you something. Whatever you desire in your heart, ask it of me and I will give it to you. What, what, what an amazing thing that God himself would appear to you or to me and tell you, Daniel, whatever you ask, I will give to you. Wow. Now, if I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to tell you, okay, what I would ask for. And I probably, you probably wouldn't quite share some of the things you might want to ask for, right? But some people, I'm not saying you or me, but some people might have asked for some money. Oh God, I'm, I'm transitioning into a new kingdom. I've never done this before. And I don't know how dad did the administrative side of it. Maybe the treasury is a little low. There's not enough gold coins. Can you make sure there's always a, a, an abundant resource of coins? Like let money grow on trees. Maybe some of us would have asked for Power. Well, God, you know, I'm kind of young. I don't know what I'm doing, but let me have power so that when enemies hear my name, they will tremble in fear because they realize that I am a powerful king. Maybe some of us would have asked for fame. Well, I don't know how to even twist that into something good, right? But I just want to be famous. Let let me be famous so I can declare your word. (laughs) Lord, well, you're asking me what can I have? Well, will you kill all my enemies? Present, future? My, let's just get rid of them all now. And maybe some of us would have said, Lord, since you're asking me and you're saying you would give me, well, give me immortality. Let me live Maybe some of us would have asked for that. And you look at Solomon as a, as a teenager, or maybe in his mid-twenties, and, and, and you read the story. And Solomon's request of God, after God says, ask me whatever you desire, I will give it to you. The Bible says in verse 10 that Solomon responded to God and he said, Lord, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead these people, this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon decided that if he was gonna govern this kingdom and if he was gonna be able to complete the task that was set before him, it would do him no good to ask for money. It would do him no good to ask for power. It would do no good to ask for fame because none of those things were going to achieve what he needed to achieve. He realized in his spirit, I wish some of us could be as mature as he was and said, I just need God that you would give me some wisdom and some knowledge so that any issue that comes up, any problem that happens in my life, any, any, any obstacle that I can be a wise man a wise king a wise steward of the kingdom that you've given me and that I can make good decisions see Solomon realized he was going to need more than just a full bank account he was going to need more than just a long life he was going to need more than a bunch of 70 or 80 inch TVs in the living room he was going to need more than that he Needed wisdom. Solomon could have chosen anything. But what he wanted was wisdom. And it's interesting because Proverbs chapter 16 verse 16 says, How much better. Everyone say better. How much better to get wisdom than gold. To get insight rather than silver. Silver. See, in every situation in your life, in every situation in a man or woman's life, we need wisdom and if you have wisdom we need more wisdom on top of the wisdom we already have. As a pastor, I need wisdom to know how to best lead the church that God has given me to lead. In my relationship with my wife, I need God to pour out wisdom in my life, how to best serve my wife. If I want to be financially successful I need wisdom how do I best steward what God has given me to him who much is given much is required if I'm gonna please God with every step that I take one foot in front of the other I need wisdom am I going the right way do I need to go left Do I need to swerve? Do I need to glide? Do I need to shift? Do I need to learn how to roll with the punches? Or do I need to stand bold in this moment, God? Give me wisdom. If I want to be a good parent, I need wisdom. Proverbs 4.7 says that the beginning of wisdom, how deep is this? The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. It's simple. Though it costs all you have, if, if this book that's going to help me to be a better parent costs $25, if it costs me $25, if it costs me four lunches during the week, I'm going to buy this book because I need to get wisdom within my life. If, if this marriage conference that the church, that city church is putting on is going to cost me two meals and it's going to cost me $5, there is no reason for me not to be there because it's going to help my relationship. And if it costs everything that I have, I need to obtain wisdom in my life. Tell your neighbor you need to be wise. <laughs> Say it with a smile, okay? Don't say it all ugly, and don't be throwing elbows. Hey, he's talking to you. You gotta be wise. The Bible, Proverbs, Proverbs, was written as, as attributed to Solomon. Remember, Solomon's the one that asked for the wisdom. And how 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 ironic is it that he would be the one that writes a book on wisdom? <laughs> right. He wrote the book of Proverbs. And a lot of the times as, as, as Solomon is writing and as Solomon is sharing uh, with his readers, he, he compares the wise with the opposite of the wise, which is the foolish. He says, don't be a fool, get wisdom. Tell your neighbor, no, don't tell your neighbor anything, okay? <laughs> I don't want to anybody mad here. Here's here the thing. And here's the, 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 the caution that you and I need to have is that many times fools don't even know that they're being foolish. Does that mean I could be a fool? What am I? That's why you need good people in your life that are, can be honest with you and say, man, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Sometimes we get our, our sight twisted and we, we think we're being smart and sometimes we're just too smart for our own selves. It says, don't be a fool. Get wisdom. And some of the things that Solomon speaks on and says about comparing fools to wise people. Go ahead to the next slide. You compare some of the foolish actions. He says that fools Act. Before they think, okay. Don't be like I said. Don't be throwing elbows, okay. Don't be texting anybody. Hey, they're talking about you today. You should have been here. Make sure you listen to the podcast tomorrow. Fools act before they think. Before they think, Proverbs thirteen sixteen says, "Wise people think before they act. Fools don't, and even brag." <laughs> You've, you've experienced this, right? Where someone does something pretty out there, and they're even bragging about it. And they even brag about their foolishness. Fools act before they think. Another thing that Solomon says is that fools spend all they earn. Hmm. just because you have the credit card doesn't mean you have the money that's what he's saying right? Proverbs twenty-one twenty says in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil but a foolish man devours all he has there's an, ins- an unsatisfiable desire to have more to, to bring in more And you're not even saving anything for future or saving anything so you can be generous. It's all devoured in that moment at that time. And fools spend all they earn. He also says that fools hurt those they love. Fools hurt those they love. Proverbs 14.1 says that the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands... The foolish one tears hers down. He also says that fools, we've all met this one. Fools think they know it all. Proverbs 12:15, fools think their own way is right. But the wise listen to others. But the wise so see when you read proverbs and as you read Solomon's writings what he is telling you what he's saying is hey don't be foolish above all things above all uh, any desire you may have you need to obtain wisdom for your life if you if you want to know how to act be wise if you want to know how to spend your money Be wise. If you don't want to hurt those people that you love, obtain some wisdom. If you want to be a humble person where people don't mind hanging out with you, be a wise person. Don't. Don't be a fool. So, how do I get wisdom? I'm going to give you three quick things because my time's running down. How do I get wisdom? Number one, fear God. We're in church. Obviously, that's going to be number one. Fear God. Proverbs 9.10, what does it say, Brother Jesus? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One. If you want to truly be a wise man, a wise woman, what the proverb is, the, the Solomon is saying in the Proverbs is that if you really want to get to a place in your life where you're a wise, uh, consider to be a wise person, not because you want people to look at you and say, oh, he's wise, but because you want to live a good life and you want your family to be good and you want to be in a place, in a situation that's better, the first thing that you have to do to be wise is you have to fear God. Amen. And here Amen. is where we struggle, church. And I'm not saying that you guys don't fear God. I know that you guys love God. I know that you guys have a healthy respect for God. But when, when, when Proverbs says this, when Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, sometimes we try to sugarcoat it and say, well, he's not really saying fear. He's saying be respectful. But I think that sometimes in our society, in, in modern history or postmodern history, we, we, we think we're so self-sufficient. We, we live a life that we think that we are uh, independent of any help from the outside. That we get to a point where we don't fear consequences anymore. We don't fear what God says in his word that the, 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 the wages of sin... It's death. And we come to church and we like feeling the butterflies that we feel. We love hearing Brother Nathan sing and we love hearing Brother Paul uh, make that guitar sing and, and we love hearing Brother Gilbert tickle those ivories. And we, we enjoy all this stuff. We like it and we like Brother JoJo too as he pounds on the. I don't want to leave anybody out. And, and we enjoy all this time that we have. But we forget that we are in a real spiritual warfare, not for any insignificant thing, but we're in it for our souls, for our eternity, and there should be a healthy dose of fear in our lives. Not that God is going to send fire from the heavens to destroy your life, but that there can be real and true consequences for the sin that you may continue to live in. We've forgotten how to fear consequences. And our culture has become a culture where God is not a priority. We say he is. I think that if anyone, I would ask anyone here, we would say, you would say, if I said, hey, where does God God fall in your priority list? Oh, you would say he's number one. You, you would have that answer, Pat. Oh, God is number one in my life. Then I don't care if he takes my family. I, I have him. As long as I have him, I'm good. And you know how to preach a good sermon on that. But the moment that something difficult happens in life, you start trembling and you start not being able to take sure steps because you begin to reveal that your dependency is not on God. But on something else altogether. Whether it's your job, whether it is your spouse, whether it is your children, whether it is the acceptance of other people, whether it's your popularity on social media, whatever it may be, we start freaking out. We know the right answer, but our life doesn't reflect it. And I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'm saying this to encourage you, church. It's time that we get back to a healthy place in our lives where there is a true and real fear of God. Not that God is going to condemn us, but that there is a fear that there is a real and true living God that, is, that gave his life for you and for me. And that he asks us to live our lives for him. How do I get wisdom? Fear God. Know God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Second thing you got to do, you got to ask God, just like Solomon. Say, Lord, I know you said you will give me anything that I want and your word, Jesus, your word says that anything that was asked Uh, in your name they will be given unto me I'm not asking for cars I'm not asking for a better job I'm not asking for a, a different husband or a different wife I'm not asking for any of that I'm asking for wisdom so that I can walk in your glory on this earth James chapter 1 verse 5 says that if any of you lacks wisdom he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. This is the the promise to you, church, the promise to me, and it will be given to him. Ask God. Every morning when I get up and I pray, I ask God, Lord, give me wisdom, because I know I'm lacking. I have so much to learn. I need more of that. I need more of your word to be revealed as I read your word. Lord, let it come alive so that I can get insight that I didn't have before. Ask God, church. He's not a God that begrudgingly gives. He's a God that gives with an open hand. Third thing you got to do is you got to surround yourself with wise. this is the hardest thing that sometimes we have to do to identify the people in our lives that are not helping us and I'm not saying to be ugly with them I'm not saying to cut off every relationship you have with them but what I am saying is, be, is to begin to learn how to set limits in your life And if God has connected you with people that are wise and you identify that wisdom in their life. If God has connected you with people that have great marriages. Spend time with him. Ask him. Ask him, what do you do? How did you do it to be married 50 years? What's the secret? I've asked this to people and some of the answers are funny. Some of the answers are really serious. Some of the answers are, I just do everything She says. All right, men, write that down. <laughs> but some of them say, you know what? It hasn't been easy. It's been difficult. You may see that where well, your marriage is good, and it is good, but it hasn't come without its trials. It hasn't come without its challenge. And the only way that you and I are going to learn is to surround ourselves with those wise people. If you're struggling in your finances... Surround yourself with people that you, you see, uh, that you, you, you believe, that are being You're not going to ask people about their finances, but just try to figure out what they do. And if you don't want to ask them, well then enroll yourself in the Dave Ramsey course. Do something. Obtain the wisdom you need and surround yourself with people that have the same desire that you have. I'm struggling in my finances. Where can I go so I can get better at it? And surround yourself with those people. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "He who walks with the with the wise, grows. What does it say? Wise. Grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Will you be a wisdom seeker, church? It's good. My marriage is." okay but I tell you in Jesus name your marriage can be better God has blessed me my finances are okay but in Jesus name I declare finances being uh, reborn being resurrected and things getting better in your life my children, they're good. They, they, yeah, we struggle at times. and No, in Jesus' name, we're not going to settle for good. We're going to go after great relationships with our kids where they open up to us and we open up to them and we share the struggles that we've had so that they can know that we're like them because sometimes they don't believe we're like them. Will you be a wisdom seeker this year? so you can make better choices I'm going to ask you to stand every eye closed every head bowed Father we don't want to settle for okay we don't even want to settle for good we want to climb that mountain to where you have those better things for our lives every area of our life, our every single relationship that we have, every financial situation that comes across, our parenting skills, our children, our relationship with our own parents. Lord, our relationship with you. We don't want to settle for good. We don't want to settle for okay. We are striving for the best. We are striving for the excellent in our lives. We refuse to stand down, but we, Lord, accelerate are seeking of wisdom. And we declare breakthrough in our lives. We declare, God, that we're, even though we're pressed down, we are pushing forward even though we are stopped at times we will refuse to remain still we will keep inching forward whether it's a crawl or it's a run there is no going back and in Jesus name I declare wisdom over this church I declare breakthrough in this church I declare your spirit filling the air your spirit filling lives